Ingo by Helen Dunmore, Chapter 4 I've never climbed down the rocks so fast, even though they're wet and slippy. The sea's only just been here, but now the tide's turned and it's falling, dragging me with it. I jump down onto the sand. Another minute and I'll be in the sea. I kick off my sandals. My toes are in the water, then my ankles, my knees. The sea is dazzling. I lift my hand to shade my eyes, and as I do, I see him. It's Connor, far away, sitting on the rocks at the mouth of the cove. I recognise him at once, even though he's turned away from me. His hair is slick with water. He's been swimming. But we never swim here alone, because we know how dangerous it can be. Why did Connor come without me? Cold. I'm cold. I look down. Already the water is up to my waist. My hands trail in the water. That's so strange. I didn't think I'd waded so deep. And I'm still wearing my shorts and t-shirt. The tide is falling fast and it's pulling more and more strongly, as if it wants me to come with it. It's like a magnet. If I didn't dig my feet into the sand, the tide would carry me away with it. But what's Connor doing sitting on the rocks at the mouth of the cove, where the water's deep? He must have swum out there. He hasn't seen me yet. He's still got his back to me. I open my mouth to call him, but suddenly Connor turns his head as if he's... as if he's talking to someone. I push hard against the tug of the water. I'm not going to let it pull me in deeper. I'm not going to call Connor. I turn round and the tide sucks my legs hungrily as I force my way back into shallow water. The sea doesn't want to let me go, but it has to. Its power is broken. Knee deep in the water, I wade towards the left side of the cove. I'll be able to see Connor better from there. I don't want to, to attract his attention now. In fact, I'm hoping that he won't see me. From over here, I should be able to get a good view of the rock. And now I can see them clearly. No, Connor's not alone. There's a second head outlined against the, against the edge of the rock. A sleek, dark head. It turns, so I see the profile and the long, wet hair. It's a girl. Her hair is long, right down her back like mine. And now I realise what I thought was part of the rock is part of the girl's body. She must be wearing a wetsuit. She and Connor are close together, talking like old friends who've got so much to say that they don't notice anything or anyone else. They haven't seen me. Connor hasn't even looked up. What are they talking about? They're much too far away for me to hear their voices. I've never seen her before, I'm sure of it. But I know everyone who lives around here. Who can she be? Maybe she's a tourist. Not many tourists come down to the cove because it's so hard to find. Maybe this girl asked Connor to help her find the way down and then they got talking and went swimming together without me. No, I don't want them to see me. Connor will think I've been following him and spying on him. He didn't want me to be here or he'd have told me he was going down to the cove. We always swim together, not just because it's dangerous to swim alone, but because we like being together. I wade right out of the water. It pulls at my heels, but feebly now, as if it knows it's got not going to win. My wet shorts and t-shirt stick clamorly to my skin. Maybe I should go back to the cottage and change. No, I don't want to leave Connor right out there. It isn't safe. 
I wander up and down the tide line, feeling cold even though the air is still warm. I pick up shells and tiny white pieces of driftwood and let them drop again, and every few minutes I glance out to the rocks at the mouth of the cove. They are still there, Connor and the strange girl who doesn't live around here, still sitting close together, and they haven't noticed me at all. They only notice each other. And then suddenly, the next time I look, the girl has vanished and Connor is alone. He's standing right on the edge of the rock, staring down into the deep water. But where has the girl gone? He looks down at the water and his body flexes as if he's about to dive in. A wave of panic sweeps over me from nowhere. Before I know what I'm going to do, I've yelled out his name. Connor! Connor! He looks up and stares around. I run along the water's edge, waving and calling, Connor, it's me, Connor. He turns and sees me. For a long moment, we stare at each other across the water. We're too far away to see each other's expressions. And then, slowly, he raises his hand and waves to me. Connor, come back, tea's ready. He waves again and begins to pick his way carefully back across the wet, slippery rocks at the side of the cove. It would be quicker to dive in and swim across to me, but he doesn't do that. He scrambles all the way back across the rocks that line the edge of the cove and only jumps into the water when it's shallow. Knee-deep, he splashes towards me. He's frowning, not an angry way, but just as he frowns when he's doing his toughest maths homework. What are you doing here, Saf? Looking for you. But it's not time for tea yet, is it? I look down at my wrist, then I realise something terrible. I must have walked into the water with my watch on. My beautiful watch that Dad got for me in Truro. Now I remember my arms trailing in the water. I forgot all about my watch. Can't believe it. The hands point to five past seven, but the second hand isn't moving. I shake my wrist hard. Nothing happens. My watch has stopped. Oh, Saf, you went into the water with it on, says Connor looking at my wet shorts and t-shirt. It's broken. <clears throat> Maybe it'll be all right if we dry it out. I'll take the back off and see, says Connor. But we both know it won't be all right. It's broken, Connor. Thick, painful tears crowd behind my eyes. Dad helped me to choose the watch, but he didn't choose for me. The shop assistant had laid my three favourite ones out on the counter. A watch with a blue face and gold hands. A silver watch on a silver wristband and this watch, my watch. Dad waited and didn't say anything when I tried them all on again, for the third time. I held my wrist out to see how each one looked and then I knew this one was mine. I loved it, but it was the most expensive of the three. I took it off and put it down. I think I like the blue one best, I said. I'd looked at the price labels and I knew that was the cheapest one. But guess what Dad did then? He picked up the one I liked best and said, Don't look at the prices, Safi. You only have one birthday a year. It wasn't the blue one you liked. It was this one. How did you know, Dad? You can't fool me. I know you too well, Safi. He knew me too well, because we were alike. Me and Dad. Mum and Connor. It wasn't that I loved Dad more than Mum, but... Don't cry, Saf. Connor puts his arm round my shoulders. You didn't mean to break it. But listen, you mustn't come down here and swim on your own. You know we promised Mum we wouldn't. 
mustn't come down here and swim. Indignation shocks my tears away. What about you? Look at you, your hair's all wet. You've been swimming with that girl, haven't you? What girl? I stare at him. What girl? The girl who was sitting on the rock talking to you, of course. The girl with the long hair like mine. Connor looks at me with the elder brother look I hate. How could you see her hair if we were right over on the rock? I could. I could see her quite clearly. The trouble with you, Saf, is that you see one thing and then you imagine something else. I don't. I don't make up stuff. I used to when I was little, but I don't now. If you say so, I don't, Connor. Not much, anyway. You're only saying that to stop me asking about her. All right, then. I went swimming after I cleaned out the shed. Maybe I should have told you I was going, but I didn't. Just for once, I wanted... I feel cold inside from fear of what he's going to say. What did Connor want that I couldn't give him? I don't know, goes on Connor, as if he's talking to himself. I wanted some space, I suppose. Oh. And then, after I'd been swimming, I sat on the rocks to get dry. End of story. But Connor, it was this morning that you cleaned out the shed. It's way past seven o'clock in the evening now. Probably past eight. Mum went to work hours ago. You're telling me you've been here swimming for seven hours? What? Connor seizes my wrist and stares at the face of my watch. It stopped when I went into the water, I say. It can't be that late. You must have been messing about with your watch. He shakes my wrist as if the hands of the watch might suddenly run backwards to match the time he thinks it is. Get off me, Connor. It's evening. Can't you see that? Look at the sun. Look how low it is. Connor stares around. He gazes at the mouth of the cave where the sun is low and golden as it sinks towards the horizon. I watch him realise that I'm telling the truth. Maybe I fell asleep, he says slowly. He looks lost, confused. Not like my brother Connor at all. You were talking to someone. I saw her. She must have gone off across the rocks, I say, but this time I say it quietly, not because I want to win an argument with Connor, but to make the truth clear. And this time Connor doesn't answer. Who was she? I ask, not even expecting him to tell me. And he doesn't. Connor's face is pale, tired out, the way you're tired out after a long day in the sea. He doesn't want to talk. Side by side, we walk back up the sand towards the rocks, the boulders, the way that leads home. I feel shaky all over. There was a girl there. I know there was. One minute she was sitting on the rocks with Connor, and then she was gone. <laughs>